Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Welcome to another episode of the Success Story Podcast. I have Erin Blasky, who is currently a fractional CMO. She is scaling her own business in a big way. It wasn't always like that, though. She has done entrepreneurship. She has pivoted and started working for somebody again, scaling SaaS companies, and then she went back into entrepreneurship. We're going to break down her career story. She is a name in marketing. She's had her thoughts, opinions, ideas. They've been featured in Forbes, a Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, Globe and Mail, to name a few. She is a marketing professor at the Telfer School of Business in my hometown, Ottawa, and she also sits on an entrepreneurial council as an advisor at Algonquin College. She has some great branding, entrepreneurial, and just general life lessons to share with people that are looking to build their own thing or entrepreneurs within a company. We also have two incredible sponsors for today's episode. So for CFOs, entrepreneurs, we have Gusto. They have a special offer for everybody who's listening. If you've never heard of them, they are payroll solutions. This is going to make your life easier. And then our second sponsor is StoryWorth. They have a special offer set up for everybody who's shopping for Mother's Day. So please stick around till around the halfway point. You're going to get both of these offers exclusive to Success Story podcast listeners. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm sitting down with Erin Blasky. Erin is a fractional CMO. She is a startup and scale-up marketing consultant. She's an advisor. Um, she is a TEDx speaker. Uh, she is a digital marketing instructor. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Adweek, and Wall Street Journal. Um, she, I'm really happy to bring her on. She's had uh, an incredible career. She's gone back and forth between entrepreneurship and working for incredible companies. And, you know, when Erin, um, thank you for coming on. And, and I'm excited to sort of unpack your, your story. But I'm also excited because, like, when I'm speaking to you now, so today is what? Like, we're uh, Friday, March 26th. This is like a very important point in your career because mm -hmm. you had some big changes recently. And I want to dive into those as well. So, so thanks for, for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries at all. I'm super, super stoked to have this conversation. And we're talking about all my favorite things. So it's, good. it's a good, a good day. Good, good, good. It's a good Friday. Okay. So um, let's, let's cue it up for everybody who's listening. Let's just walk through your career, where you came from. Yeah. I just read off the stuff you have on your LinkedIn, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that you've achieved over your career. So, you know, walk us through it. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, every time I do this, I always scare people because I say like, we have to go all the way back to 1986, <laughs> which people are usually like, whoa, whoa, we don't need that much detail. Um, <laughs> however, what I will say about, you know, going back that far is is really like my love of technology, my, my love of um, this idea of business and everything. It came really early on in my life. And um, in, in around 86, my dad brought home a Commodore 64, which for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, it's a computer. I actually have one in my office um, on a shelf right above here, um, right above me. But uh, anyway, he brought home this computer. And I just remember, you know, I grew up in a very small town. I grew up, um, it was a very like blue collar town, didn't have a lot uh, growing up. But when this computer came home, I was amazed. I was so impressed you know, with it. And I remember we set it up and my dad was like, yeah, just go ahead, like play with it. And my sister and I, um, we would set up like an office in our house. And of course I was the older one. So I was always the CEO and she was my secretary every time. <laughs> and I would just like play office. And, and I remember, you know, I didn't have examples of it. I didn't have like anyone in my own personal life or even in our community really that had this like you know, lifestyle, but for some reason I was just obsessed with it. And that sort of continued on. And I, I remember like, even as I was growing up, I was very entrepreneurial. I used to like go and pick out like rocks and bark out of the forest and then go sell them to the cottagers nearby. Um, they bought it, you know, probably cause I was like this little, like you know, cute kid and they couldn't resist. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that just, that this like trend sort of continued through my whole life and, you know, it showed up in high school, it showed up in college and when I got to, uh, you know, I went to school and, and I left school, I tried to get out of school as fast as possible because I just wanted to work. So I left, uh, finished school and then um, ended up working in a company and realized like really quickly that I just didn't love being boxed in, you know, to a, one specific role and, and really just like, you know, kind of being limited by what I could do. And so at the age of 21, I decided to launch my first um, company. And so I launched at that time a virtual assistance business. And this was 2004. It was like pre-social media, pre, you know, the internet as we know it today. And I got really lucky in some ways because my very first client in that company happened to be a startup founder in Silicon Valley. I did not know what Silicon Valley was. Okay. Like I was, like I said, small town girl in the Ottawa Valley in Canada. And here I am working with this company and this company and this founder were doing such incredible things. Like they were leveraging the internet to um, market their product and they were, you know, pulling at the time was a lot, uh, five figures a month. And then they grew to six figures a month. And I just remember experiencing all of that thinking like, this is, this is incredible. Like I love this. And, and my eyes, of course, like growing up with nothing, when all of a sudden you're seeing all of these dollar signs on the internet, you're like, whoo, okay, I want to do this too. So I started like really cracking the code of, you know, what does it mean to market on the internet? What does it mean to create passive revenue sources? Like what kind of businesses can be built? And um, of course, jumping on things like social media and, and, you know, all of these different platforms as they were coming out. And I, over the next like 14 years, which is a hard bucket to sort of capture, um, I really spent that time working with about 300 different, bu different businesses, uh, again, over like the 14 year period mm -hmm. doing 
all kinds of crazy things, like mostly, mostly marketing related. Um, but I was working on personal brands for, you know, Hollywood actors and professional athletes, best-selling authors. I was also doing, you know, work with Disney and craft and, um, Travelocity and different, you know, bigger brands and just absorbing everything. Like I was, I was a sponge and I wanted to learn as much as I could about marketing and um, yeah, so I did that for 14 years uh, before starting to consult all locally. All entrepreneur, by the way? Yeah. yeah. Is this still all entrepreneur? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was all just like me figuring it out, you know, um, yeah. made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah, everyone does though. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And really grew that business to, you know, I mean, for me at the, in my twenties, like I grew it to about a quarter of a million dollars, um, a year in sales with literally spending no money on advertising or marketing. Um, just doing it all myself and building, you know, a referral network and that kind of thing. And, um, and then I started consulting locally in 2017, uh, with a startup accelerator. And then I fell in love with like their business model and the company and the team and decided to close up shop and join them full time. Uh, so did that for a couple years. Then I joined a B2B SaaS company called Fellow and then was there for a year, uh, really helped them build out a lot of their marketing foundations and um, start to get ready to scale. Uh, and then at the beginning of this year, I quit. <laughs> I quit my job. Yeah, well, with well, that's when we first started talking, right? That's <laughs> yeah, I think you were like yeah. when we first were trying to queue up this podcast. I think you were like you were quitting, or you like quit like the day before. I and just like, Scott, quit. like chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I gotta <laughs> get my shit together, and then yeah. and then we'll do it in a couple of weeks. So now now you've you know had some time. You we were just yes. talking about some of the successes you've had. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about where you're at now. Um, yeah. But let's let's dive into some of the history because the history definitely cues up like what you're working on. So. Yeah, non yeah. non-linear career path is is one of the things Absolutely. that um you've definitely lived yeah why did you let's let's just figure out why after making 250k did you yeah. ever want to work with somebody 250k you know in your own business why would you work yeah. for somebody again what were the benefits what were the lessons learned was it difficult let's yeah. talk about just pivoting because i think people yeah. think the opposite of what you do right they want to escape the nine yes. to five they want to escape the company <laughs> right yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like when you, when people start businesses and like, if they at all have this vision in mind that they're escaping a nine to five, I mean, like park that, that is, you know, that is just absolutely 1000% not true. In fact, you're going to work more than, than the nine to five if you start your own thing. And a lot of what you do, you're not getting paid for, you know, so you, you have to do a lot of the business calls and the accounting and the bookkeeping. And even if you're not like, even if you outsource that stuff, you still have to facilitate it and organize it. And, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that you do when you're self-employed that you're just not getting paid for. And, and you don't get the luxury all the time of just closing up the laptop at the end of the day and then, you know, not looking at it again until you go back. So um, for me personally, what ended up kind of happening um, for me is that in, in about 2015, 2014, 20, 2015, somewhere in there, I ended up hitting a pretty significant wall of burnout. Um, and that burnout led to, like, I, I've always been predisposed to depression my whole life. Like, I've dealt with it um, from the time I was probably 14. Uh, but I, I really ha was like impacted greatly inside of my business. I was, you know, I was going through a divorce. I was like, 
um, you know, kind of managing a lot of different uh, things, obviously learning how to be a single parent, um, starting to figure out like, how am I going to sustain this business and this, you know, raise my daughter and also do, do this all on my own. And there was just a lot going on. And then at the same time, I had a, a subcontractor that we were working on a lot of web development projects. He ended up bailing um, on me out of the blue, which is the complete risk you run when you don't have employees and you have freelancers and subcontractors. And it was kind of like everything came to a head um, for me. And I just realized how trapped I felt like I, I, I had this enormous amount of, you know, burnout and I, I really couldn't function. And, um, but at the same time, I, I had no choice, you know, and I think it was in that moment that I really had to look at, you know, everything in my life. Like, what was I doing? How had I structured this business? Was this actually set up in a way that uh, could sustain my life and could sustain the ups and downs? And it, the answer was no. You know, the answer is absolutely it was not set up that way. So I spent the next year after that, after I actually came out of that burnout and that depression and, you know, worked really hard to get through that. Um, I spent the next year restructuring everything and, and really like evaluating what was important to me. And when the, when I started consulting with Elspark, the accelerator, um, I honestly, in that moment, uh, I love the team there. Like I still do. They're, they're still amazing. And I loved what they were doing. It was very similar to what I was doing, but in, inside of four walls. Right. And, and there was like team support and, there was people and the founders were all in there and it was a co-working space. So it was dynamic and interesting. And I had spent 14 years working by myself in a home office just like this, um, mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, it was like, because I had had that experience and began really began evaluating like what was important. Um, it just fit, you know, and, and the moment was just right for me and, and it fit, it checked a lot of the kind of the boxes that I was after. So I decided, you know, uh, I'm very much a gut person. Like I will listen to my gut all the time. And, um, for me, it was just like, this is right. And so when they sat me down over lunch and asked me one day, like, Hey, would you ever consider coming on board full time? I didn't hesitate. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I don't care what it looks like. Let's do it. You know? And, and then I closed up shop essentially and took a job. So, um, for me, it was right in the moment. Um, you know, it was a, it was the perfect job uh, in terms of like what I needed at that time, the community involvement, the the level of, you know, just like deep appreciation that the team had for each other was exactly what my heart and soul kind of needed. And um, yeah. And then, I mean, of course, we can talk about like any lessons learned going into like the next kind of phase, of, like next full time company. But um, that that was just like the perfect thing, you know, that my soul needed at the time. I I do want to unpack some of those lessons. I just want to highlight mm -hmm. something that resonated with me from that. And it's something that I see uh, hurting a lot of people in their career or entrepreneurs. And it's that they feel like pivoting into something else. It could be in, in their own business or going into or going from entrepreneurship back to working for somebody. Or even if they are in a role and they feel like they're burning out in that role in a the company, there seems to be this stigma against changing or taking mm -hmm. care of yourself or doing something that perhaps to some people may be less impressive or less. And I'm not saying what you did was less impressive, but mm -hmm. for example, if you're in a role that's burning out, I use this example a lot and say you're 
uh, a VP level or a director level at a startup and it's not going well and you just hate every single day and you don't want to take a role at a larger company that perhaps could be a better suited role. You'd have more resources, more support because it's a different job title or something like that. Like just you, you're afraid of, of changing because of what people will think of you, what, you know, I don't know. It just seems like that's yeah. something that we should champion more and, and make okay more because there is no right way to do life or do a career or do entrepreneurship. And we have, no. we, we think that like, oh, if you've achieved this certain status level, that's where we have to stay or up or bust. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've proven you've, you're, you're living proof that you can pivot and do different things and take a step back and refresh and then look at where you're at now, which is a much yeah. better version, a much better iteration of where you were uh, you know, I guess two, three years ago. So just something to take a note of because I don't think it's talked about enough. That yeah, taking I a step back, agree. two steps forward. Hey, it's Scott here. I just want to pause for a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, StoryWorth. What an innovative concept right in time for Mother's Day. Stay with me on this one. This is one of the coolest things I've ever found, and I'm extremely excited to be giving this to my mother for Mother's Day as well. Let me walk you through what StoryWorth is. StoryWorth is an online service. It helps your mother, aunt, grandmother, any mother figure in your life collect stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and their personal experiences. It's an incredible way to engage with your loved ones, especially if you can't be physically with them, which is obviously the case this year. And if there's ever been one year to go the extra mile to make your mothers, and to be honest, anybody in your family, feel the love, it's this year because people are struggling. I'm personally honoring my mother with story worth, but I'm going to walk you through their process so you understand exactly how it works. So let's say you're going to be giving this to your mom. Every week, story worth will email your mom with a prompt, a question that you may have never thought to ask. An example may be, what is the best advice your mother ever gave you? After a year of these weekly questions, StoryWorth will combine all of these insightful answers into a that will it will ship for free for you, for your mother, for your family. It's a beautiful keepsake. This is a beautiful idea because when our loved ones are alive and around, we don't cherish them and we don't ask them these questions and we don't get these memories eternalized from them until they're gone and it's too late. This is something that allows us to do that. So StoryWorth, for everybody who's listening to the Success Story podcast right now, has set up a special link so go to storyworth.com success story that's storyworth.com success story you're going to get ten dollars off your next purchase which falls right in line for mother's day you can use it for other people but it falls right in line for mother's day this collection of thoughts beautifully bound in a book and a keepsake is going to be one of the nicest things you can give yourself your family and also your mother so that she can pass on some things that she wants to tell you that perhaps you never even thought about mentioning. A wonderful offer. Go to storyworth.com slash success story. Use it for Mother's Day. Use it for someone else. But this is a truly meaningful present. Anyways, let's get back to the And yeah. honestly, I think like one of the best things I think I've ever done in my life is, is completely ditch societal um, success, meaning like, mm -hmm. you know, the typical version of what success looks like in society. I've taken that and like literally thrown it out, It you know, because 
for, for, for some that's very motivating and it's very, you know, it's very aspirational to drive towards all of the things we think are successful. And to your point, a lot of those things are upward trajectories, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you got to earn more. You have to have the bigger title. You have to have the bigger house and the better car. And, and like, none of that, none of that has mattered to me for over a decade. And I think that has literally been, I think the biggest driving fat, like driving, um, kind of force for me to be able to make these decisions is I really don't care what anyone else thinks. I know people say that, I actually don't care what anyone else thinks of like my career and like what my choices are, because at the end of the day, I'm making them based on, you know, fulfilling the needs that I have. And, and I was just actually talking to someone this morning and we were talking about goals and like setting goals for your life. And I was saying like, I'm in this weird spot right now because I actually feel so content with my life and like what I have, and I'm so grateful for what I have that I actually don't have a lot of like those traditional Mm -hmm. goals that people have. Like I'm not striving for, you know, a million dollar business. I'm not like trying to have the BMW in the driveway. Like I've had those things and they literally made my life 0% better. (laughs) Like, you know, they didn't because like at the same, at the end of the day, I wasn't listening to like what was actually in my heart in terms of like, what would make me feel truly successful. And, and what I've realized is for me personally, again, this is a very personal thing. Um, for me personally, it's like, I just want to be financially secure. Like I want to be able to pay my bills without worrying about it. I want to be able to buy myself something every once in a while. Um, you know, I want to have free time though. Like I want to be able to get out and hike and kayak and, you know, do the outdoor adventure stuff I love. Um, I want to have time to spend with my daughter, you know, she's 10 now and she's at this beautiful age where she's like cool to hang out with, you know, like we, yeah. we can hang out and do stuff. And like, as long as I have those things and I have like a house over my head and food on the table, I'm good. Like I'm actually good. And I don't really want for anything, um, which, you know, is kind of, um, it's a great place to arrive at, but it takes mm-hmm. really throwing out the comparison, you know, game that you might do with other people or, um, any of that, like, I, I don't have any of that anymore. And how did you arrive at that? Was it the burnout? And uh, just a two part question. I hate doing yeah. this, but it's important that I mm-hmm. add on. How would you recommend somebody try and, ex- and, and come to peace with what they have? without having to go as far as you did. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, I, I actually really like how you phrased that question because I don't <laughs> recommend that anyone yeah. do it the way that I did it. Um, you know, I actually did a lot of therapy. Like I've done a lot of personal work on myself with the help of um, professionals. Like I've done, you know, psychotherapy. I've done like a lot of different things um, that were very helpful to allow me to really start to unpack like what was important. And I've also done a lot of like work on my own. Like I'm constantly reading, I'm constantly, um, you know, learning about other people's experiences. And I feel like the more that I expose myself to the experiences of others and like, you know, the experiences in the world, it's very easy when you do that to then have a lot of gratitude for what you have, because you realize that, that this isn't like, you know, the norm, right? And I also, I honestly do attribute a lot to my humble beginnings. Like, 
I, I didn't grow up with a lot. I, in fact, like at times we were, you know, very poor. Um, and that, that humbles you, you know, in a way, because I don't take anything I have for granted, uh, or at least I try really hard not to. Um, and so I think if, um, if folks are kind of struggling with it, I think, you know, realizing that stuff in your life is not going to fill the void that you might have and chasing things, it won't necessarily bring you ultimate happiness. I think you is, is really, um, doing some, you know, introspection on that, trying to figure out like, what do you really want in life? If you actually put aside a lot of those materialistic things. And that's not to say, by the way, that I judge anyone if they have like more materialistic goals, like that's, that's again, it's a very personal thing and, and that can be completely motivating for some people. Um, but I do think that there's some value in doing the work, you know, that's required. Uh, and honestly, there's no real shortcut to it. I think you have to just do the work. Um, but honestly, therapy is great. <laughs> On, like, well, that, yeah, totally great. No, I was yeah. going to say it's, by the way, you mentioned some point about, um, about not, you know, if people have material goals, it's fine. But I do believe that there are far more people that speak about the hustle culture, the, you know, the achieving material wealth through perhaps entrepreneurship or otherwise. There's too many people weighted on that side of the discussion and not enough people weighted on the side of the discussion that you're, or their lens that you're sort of looking at entrepreneurship and life and success through, which yeah. is you can be successful, you can, you can achieve, but understand what that success comes with as well mm-hmm. right yeah and i've also so, seen those founders yeah. succeed and get you know the the million dollar plus exits i've seen them you know get on the other side of that and they're miserable because like they you know they don't know what to do with themselves and they're not yeah. fulfilled and and i think if you don't do the work to figure out like what does success actually look like for you beyond those materialistic things um, you're going to arrive at those moments and you're still going to be unhappy, you know? Uh, and for me, like, that's why I, I spend a lot of time really asking myself, you know, what, what, what do I want this to feel like? Like, what do I want my life to feel like? And as long as it feels right and the work I'm doing feels fulfilling and, you know, I have that security um, that I'm sort of makes me feel very comfortable. Uh, the rest of it, like, yeah, for me personally, again, it's a very personal mm-hmm. thing, but it just doesn't really matter. Um, okay, so I want to just, we've spoken about a few things that we were actually, that I was actually going to ask you, but you kind of just yeah. like gone into these topics anyway, so it's good. Um, <laughs> any other lessons that you've learned coming in and out of entrepreneurship that we didn't touch on? Yeah, yeah. So, so in this, uh, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, so I talked about obviously like landing at the accelerator and that, mm-hmm. that role being like exactly what I needed at that time, right? Like it, it was like soul fulfilling in so many ways. And then I want to also talk about when it's not right, because um, I think that's equally as important because I think as an entrepreneur who may be going back and forth, or even if you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of thinking like, oh man, the grass looks greener on that side, um, knowing that it doesn't always work out the, the way that you think it's going to. And so for me, when I, when I ended up going from the accelerator, which again was a very like relationship heavy community role. Uh, I was surrounded by people. I was very engaged with a lot of different founders. Uh, I was not only working on the you know brand of the accelerator, but I was also working as a, an embedded advisor for the startups. So it was a very dynamic and interesting, but people focused role. And that's key because what I'm about to say 
is, is, a, is a shift. And so when I went to um, Fellow, which is like a, a, a SaaS um, company, you know, I was so excited about that role. I was so excited about taking on that work. But what I didn't realize, and, and you know, you don't know these things until you get in them, to be honest. What I didn't realize was just that being in a role that is actually not people focused, you know, that doesn't have that community element, that doesn't have that dynamic nature. It's not that the role wasn't dynamic. I mean, I was doing so many different things and working on, you know, very cool projects and I had an amazing team and the the company's great, the software is great. I still use it today. Like there was nothing about the actual like company that was bad or anything like that, but it was just that I realized in the role that I was like dying on a vine a little, like meaning I didn't have mm-hmm. that like you know, ability to connect with humans every day and, and have this like really dynamic heart feeling thing. It was, it was like analytics and, you know, landing pages and copy. And those things are great. It's part of marketing. But for me, it was just like, I realized like, wow, I actually need a lot of that human, um, you know, kind of centric work to do my, to feel like I'm doing my best work. Uh, and I need that community involvement, um, which I had so much of at Elspark and then had none of at Fellow. And so, um, again, it's not a there's no part of, you know, Fellow that uh, is is responsible for that. It was literally just like a fit in terms of the role itself. And so, yeah. you know, I yeah. had to kind of ask myself as I went into 2021, like, is that what I really want, you know, for my career and my future? Or do I need to, like, make a hard decision now? Um, to sort of get back closer to the type of work that I love to do. So I think, I think sometimes it, it also, you, you know, you can, you can get into a place where you also have to be real with yourself. And it's, and again, like to your point earlier, it's not about like failure. It's not about like, oh my gosh, I failed at this. It's literally about like identifying, okay, this is, it's going well. We're achieving a lot. You know, all of our numbers are up into the right, like this is good. Um, But at the end of the day, like, does it feel right? You know? And Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes um, a lesson that I've learned over the years as well is that you just have to listen and you have to be willing, um, you know, to, to, like zag when, when you think you should be going a different way. And, um, and I think that was, uh, yeah, that was another big lesson for me is like, sometimes it's not going to be right. (laughs) You know, sometimes you're gonna get it wrong. You know, all, all that I'm hearing out of this is throughout your career, what's really contributed to your success and your happiness is this incredible heightened sense of self-awareness. Yes. Which I think is important. I think it's very important. Yes, because that's what led your decisions. And that's what's led. And now I'm going to I'm going to ask what you're doing now and how it's changed from what Mm -hmm. you did in the past. But I think it's all driven by self awareness. Yeah, and that's something people need to work on. I love that you've said that. I think honestly, that's one of the greatest, greatest things that you can work on. um, You know, building in yourself is definitely self awareness. It's always helped me no matter what, like whether it's, you know, been in parenting or work or in life and relationships. Um, self-awareness is so key. It's, it's not easy, you know, because I mean, it's led to me like getting a divorce. It led to me quitting my business. It led to me quitting jobs. Like it's not easy to have self-awareness. Um, and sometimes it is hard for people to understand your decisions, uh, especially if they think, you know, you should be doing things a certain way. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it really has, um, allowed me to get to a place where I do feel today happier than I've ever felt, which is, you know, I'm so grateful that I was able to get there. Yeah. 
So let's let's talk about that. So let's talk about so a fellowship, good good company doing all the right things, but it wasn't your vibe. Yeah. So what is your vibe? What what prompted you to take the next steps and how how do you make this iteration of entrepreneurship of of the level the next level in your life? How do you make it better than what it was before? Hey, Scott here. We're just going to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. This is a one-stop shop, one place you can go to take care of all the payroll issues, all the payroll stresses that you have to deal with as a business owner. Look, 2020 has been a rough year. We can all agree on that. And 2021 is pretty rough too. But if there's one thing that small business owners don't need is more headache. One thing that you've learned in the past year is that you have to focus on your business because Gusto isn't just built with business businesses in mind is built with the people who run businesses in mind. Their payroll system is the easiest to use, and I've used a lot over my career. Gusto automatically calculates paychecks. It files all of your payroll taxes. It also helps with time tracking, health insurance, and a ton of other HR nightmares that you just don't want to deal with. It also gives you access to HR experts who can help you. Super easy to get started and set up. The switching panes are nil. Why? Because they will move over all of your data for you. 94% of customers who switch to Gusto recommend Gusto as the best payroll solution they've ever used. And this is the offer you're waiting for. Anybody who's listening right now on the Success Story podcast, you get three months free. This means you can try it without any stress. Go to gusto.com slash Scott. That's gusto.com slash Scott. And that will give you three months free to try it out for yourself. Play around with it. See if it works for your business. I'm almost positive it will. All right, let's get back. Yeah, yeah, great questions. So. In in a lot of ways, when I quit my job at Fellow, I actually had no idea what I was going to do. Fellow, <laughs> like, oh my bad. I'm a, I called a fellowship. I'm sorry. I'm. A... Oh no no no, it's okay. <laughs> no. Um. So when I quit there, I like honestly had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I was like, okay, like I feel like I've I've done a lot. I feel like I'm gonna end on a high note. You know, like we'll go out when it's still still really really great. And um, but like, yeah, I just kind of I quit, and then you know I put on LinkedIn like, hey, I quit you know, open to conversations, like, let's see what comes up. And the next three weeks, I had 70 plus phone calls, like it was honestly, overwhelming in so many ways. And just like, there were so many things, there were full time offers, there were, you know, contracts being put in front of me, there was like, the potential to join some companies as their CEO, and like, you know, others as their COO, and like, just all of these different things. And I had to really sit and assess like, what do I want? Because this is a lot. You th- you would think that that's like a, a great position to be in. And it is like, I'm so grateful that I have a network that was willing to like step up and support me like that. But like, it's also very hard <laughs> to have like that much choice. Um, and I was afraid of like making the wrong decision. But, you know, again, I went back to that same thing where I just checked in with myself and thought like, okay, what do I really want? And for me, it needed to be a couple of things. I, I knew I, I needed a role that was like people, community, dynamic, doing different things. I love working with startups and scale-ups like a lot. I love the beginning phases of, of marketing in a, in a business. Um, I love building foundations uh, around marketing. And so I, I just sort of like allowed myself to kind of gravitate towards some of those things. And 
The other thing I did very differently this time was I actually priced my services appropriately this time. Like I didn't undervalue myself um, or what I do. And I also knew that I needed to price myself at a certain point if I also didn't want to have to fill um, a full 40 or 50 hours of work a week. Like I wanted to maybe fill 20, you know, and then like have the other 20 to do things like this, like podcasts and mentor and coach and, you know, work with accelerators or whatever the, the, the um, case might be. And so it really was about like, okay, I need, I need things that are aligned with like those, you know, that have the elements of what I love. So foundations, startups, community, people, that kind of thing. But it also needs to be companies that are, are willing to invest in marketing and understand the value of it. So that they know that when they're investing in me, that, you know, what we're going to do together is actually going to exponentially change their business. Uh, But they have to have that knowledge because otherwise um, you end up in a place where they're investing, but there's a lot of um, fear or maybe like hesitation that that can come along. And then that just makes things muddy and not so great. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's just about picking like really great clients, doing work I love and, um, and then just being open to whatever kind of comes up. Yeah. And what, what, I guess, you know, you've learned lessons in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned things about pricing yourself and and valuing yourself and sort of protecting your time and looking for the right, um, like the right target clients that you don't waste your time. Um, Are there any other things that you've done differently or you would suggest somebody sort of keep top of mind if they're going into entrepreneurship or starting their own thing, almost like as a service-based or a Mm consultant-based business for the first time? Yeah, outsource the stuff that is like business operational right away. I mean, a lot of people, even myself in my first business, I waited probably seven years before I actually, you know, hired an accountant as an example, or got a lawyer to look over my contracts. Like I was doing all of that in in business one. I was doing all of that on my own. And the the reason I did is I I didn't have the mentality yet of like, I should invest in my business in in these areas because if I do, I'm actually going to be able to like spend that time making money versus, you know, um, sort of doing it on unbillable. But I was, you know, I just didn't have that mindset back then. This time around, the very first thing I did instantly was I emailed my lawyer and I was like, Hey, we need it. We need to set up a corporation. Let's go. Um, and then I emailed my accountant, you know, that I used before. And I said like, Hey, look at me. I'm actually engaging with you on day one. I'm so proud of myself. Um, you know, and I got, (laughs) I got him on board like immediately. And I said, listen, I don't want to have to think about a single aspect of this, like the, the accounting side of the business. I don't want to have to know when I need to file HST. I don't want to have to like do that. I want you to just take care of all of it. I'm going to build it into my rates. You know, I, I know it's a hard cost and it's a, a cost I'm willing to um, spend mm-hmm. spend money on. So I think the thing I've learned this, like especially, and I'm doing a lot differently this time, is just putting those systems in, in place from day one so that I'm not having to later um, transition that over or, you know, end up, what, this is what happened last time is I ended up with a $45,000 bill from the CRA that was very unexpected. Um, oh, and nice. thankfully, okay. thankfully, <laughs> you only it need turned, one of those, right? <laughs> yeah, thankfully it turned out okay. It was like a, just a, an error, but even still yeah. getting those bills in the mail are not fun. Um, and I didn't have an accountant yeah. then. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it ended up like derailing a few weeks of my life. And um, I just don't want to have any of that slow me down this time or, or get in the way of like my happiness. So, um, yeah. outsource 
as much of those things right away as you can, even if it does feel like a cost, you know, it, it um, honestly does pay off in spades down the line. And the only, the only other, um, we're, we're coming up soon to, to the hour or, you know, close to it. So I'm, I, I don't want to go into a whole other topic, but you are an expert at this and um, it's something that has allowed you to really hit the ground running. So I know you're building a course on personal brands, so you don't mm-hmm. have to do the whole course, but, but advice, advice on people, personal branding, how to do that preemptively, probably yeah. possibly while still in a role so that if they do want to do something, they can do it like you're doing it right now. Yeah. So I feel very bullish that every single human that's in business um, should be like, whether you're in an, an actual like career, you know, in a full-time role or you're running your own business, like absolutely, I feel bullish that everyone should be building a personal brand. And the reason is, is because it's honestly the one thing that you can take with you, whether you are self-employed, employed, coming back to self-employment like me, um, you know, it, it, it goes with you. Like it, it follows you around. You're building a network. It's yours. It's not your employer's. Um, you know, the body of work you create around your personal brand, like if you're doing some blog posts, let's say, or simply posting on social, um, you know, any of those things, like those are yours. You own that. And yes, I know it's on a third party platform in many cases, but you still own the content, um, especially if you do end up with like a, like I built a site at AaronBlasky.com. I put a lot of stuff there and and that's mine, you know? And, and I think the thing that has always helped me to, to both um, get clients without actually having to act market um, to, you know, find jobs without having to apply for them. It's all been through my network and it's all been just through the, you know, the fact that I've built and grown this online. And so like, there's easy things that people can do. So, you know, you could, put up a website like I did at AaronBlasky.com. Um, you know, you could throw up a blog there. You could put up some media mentions. Um, you can start to maybe even outline some speaking, um, you know, kind of uh, topics that you would be able to talk about on a podcast or otherwise. Um, you know, you can use that as sort of your home base, p- put your portfolio there, whatever, whatever, you know, the case might be. Uh, and then of course you can leverage social. Like there are, s- today is so much easier than when I started in 2004. Because we have platforms like Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok even, you know, TikTok is a, a obviously a very um, fast growing platform and these all exist and they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. free to use and they're free to create on and you can meet so many people. Um, so I would say anyone watching this, like if you're just looking for a few little things to do, uh, the first thing is like kind of come up with like your pillar uh, topics or, you know, sort of like two to three areas of focus for you. So for me, it's usually marketing entrepreneurship and then, you know, some like sort of startup, um, kind of ecosystem stuff is usually what I share on, uh, you know, on the more business focused platforms. And then, you know, behind the scenes on Instagram, I'm sharing a lot of like outdoor adventure stuff and, you know, things that I'm doing. Um, but come up with your pillars and this will give you like a bit of a guiding light to follow. And then from there, just show up consistently on those platforms, like post regularly. It doesn't have to be five times a day, but if you're just like showing up consistently, I promise it will grow over time. And then the other thing I'd recommend is like wake up every day and try to connect with at least five to 10 new people across those platforms. And this is so simple because it doesn't have to be a big deal. You can just like go on Twitter, search up people that you would like to connect with, and then follow them. There's a good chance yeah. they're going to check you out, follow you back, and now you have a connection that you can start to nurture. So there's a lot that can be done. Um, 
And I just think it's just so important. And again, it's the one thing you can take with you and it's totally 100% yours and no one else's. And I think that's so, so critical. Yeah, no, good advice. Good advice. And you're, and you're preaching to the choir. Um, okay. <laughs> before, uh, before we cut off, um, a couple rapid fire questions, sure. um, just about your career, like lessons you've learned. Is there anything else that you want to bring up? We'll get like the social and stuff at the end, but anything else that you wanted to bring up, we didn't touch on? Yeah. I mean, I think I, what I would just say is like, you know, if there's anyone watching or listening to this, watching this, that, you know, is sort of feeling stuck at all, you know, don't be afraid to make a change is the only thing I'd say, you know, I've done it so many times. And as long as you trust yourself and you, you know, you bet on yourself and you know that no matter what, like you're going to come through for you. Um, you know, I think like, don't be afraid to make the change, you know, just do it. Good advice. Very yeah. good advice. Um, okay. Uh, a myth about entrepreneurship that you want to debunk. Uh, that it's, easier than or like you know more freedom yeah. more flexibility like those things aren't true and the uh, this isn't like a myth but I do think it's one of the things I'd like to say that's important is surround yourself with other people like other entrepreneurs when you're an entrepreneur especially if you're like a solopreneur you know running your own business with no you don't have, you know, if you don't have a team and that kind of thing get yourself some people that um, you can connect with often who also understand what you're going through Okay, so that was a perfect segue into the next question. What's <laughs> what's a person that's uh, been a mentor or a help to you? Oh, honestly, like this is a hard question for me to answer because I really do feel so like, many. yeah, I feel like I learned something from everyone, <laughs> honestly, like I do. And even today, for example, I was having a conversation with someone who was actually, um, you know, inquiring about my like kind of coaching advisory services. And and then we got into this like more deeply psychological conversation about goal setting and like what to do when you don't feel like you have any goals. Anyway, so I think like if you're if you're willing to be an open person in general and very transparent and authentic with like other people, you can find those mentorship moments everywhere if you're willing to just like mm -hmm. lead with openness. I, I find if I do that, people are more open in response and yeah, everyone becomes a mentor. Good. Um, a resource, book or podcast that you'd recommend? Oh my gosh, uh, also so many. I would say um, there's a podcast called Everybody Hates Marketers, I think is what it's called. I don't know, I'm, gonna pro I'm probably butchering the title. Anyway, it's a really great one if you're looking for a tactical marketing podcast that's like actually tactical, walking you through like tactics. Super, I, I really like that. Um, I just read a book called um, The Courage to Be Disliked life-changing and I quit my job immediately after reading that book <laughs> so <laughs> read with caution and I also think if you're a b2b marketer Dave Gerhardt's podcast is also incredibly great it's very very yeah, practical yeah I just I googled it everyone hates marketers learn to stand the fuck out by uh Louis <laughs> Grenier yeah that's literally that's what the podcast is called it's, I, exactly I'm not... <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's honestly no, it's good. like I I don't love like I really, I like like very tactical marketing podcasts because like they're, you know, yeah. you can put them in, pra in practice right away. And, and that one is exactly that. Cool. Okay. Um, a lesson you tell your younger self. Hmm. Don't, don't, I mean, I guess it just goes back to that success thing. Like don't be, don't mm -hmm. be, don't follow other people's definitions, of, de definitions of success, like create your own. And then uh, last question asks, ask this to everybody, what does success mean to you? 
Uh, I mean, I think I've already defined it, but really it's you like, have, but it's the last question on this list. I got to okay, ask it okay. again. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Um, so for me, it's literally just like having that financial security, you know, that I don't have to worry yeah. about paying my bills. And then I have, I have the time in my life to spend with my daughter and my, you know, my partner and that we can do yeah. outdoor adventures and, um, and just like really absorb life. That's it. Good. Yeah, it's a good answer. I know you already said it. I, yeah. I just I ask everybody at the end, and no, you just fine. you just preemptively answered it. That's not my fault. <laughs> um, okay, uh, where do people connect with you online? How do people email you, contact yeah. you, socials, all that? Yeah. So I mean, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. You just have to Google my name, and honestly, I'm my I'm you know at Aaron Blasky just about everywhere. Uh, email address is the same, Aaron at AaronBlasky.com. Uh, and I, and I honestly love getting questions and things by email. So if you're ever like, you know, curious about anything, you've got a question about marketing, it's great, um, inspiration for me for like my YouTube channel, my TikTok, like all of it. So never hesitate to reach out. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success.
Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now, I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 